0: This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. Now, I have burnt my mouth on an oven chip. Isn't it amazing how much heat is stored within potatoes? You know, when you bake a baked potato and you cut it open, it's just like hotter than the surface of the sun, isn't it? It's amazing. Well, I had these big oven chips and I just bit into one and it was, oh man, it was a world of steam and heat So I now have a blister on my palate. The top part of the inside of my mouth It's just I can feel this sort of bump. Now, I can't decide whether I should sort of whether I should release it, you know, whether I should actually sort of use my tongue to pop it because it feels like a bubble, like a boil inside my mouth. It's completely fresh. It's only um, an hour and a half old, this um, boil. But obviously I've I've burnt it and so it's protected itself by creating a blister. It doesn't hurt, but it's there and I'm aware of it, which is quite distracting and just a bit annoying. But it ties in with the first theme of today's show, which is three words, put up with it. Um, If something is annoying and problematic and there's nothing you can do about it, put up with it. The best example to follow would be animals and children, because animals just get on with it, don't they? You know, like when a dog loses a leg and they just crack on three legged. They don't give it a second thought. Well, there's a lot to be said for, uh, for that, for us to just crack on. And get on with it and put up with it. Um, I'm a huge fan, as you might know, of Elton John. He's a recurring theme of the podcast. You could argue he's the patron saint of the podcast, the soul of this show. And he is somebody that, notwithstanding his enormous wealth and his access to luxury, is a very hardy personality. So, yes, he's pampered, but he's tough as well and very resilient. So his voice has changed over the years and got deeper. And rather than become sort of secluded or self-conscious about it, he just puts up with it and gets on with it. And the voice gets deeper every 10 years and he adapts his style and he doesn't hit all the high notes and he's got clever little workarounds. And it's not a problem. He just gets on with it. He just cracks on producing probably more music than ever. And he had voice problems in the 80s. He needed an operation. I think it was in 1987 during an Australian tour. And they said, "Okay, um, we've looked at your throat and you must not sing or speak until the operation. That's it. You could lose your voice now. You need an operation. And he said, "Okay, well, I'll just do 13 more concerts and then we can do the operation. So that is uh, that is him putting up with it and getting on with it and probably risking his voice but but he had the dates in the diary and elton's not going to let people down but we can all learn from that you just put up with it do you know what i mean you just put up with it. i was working in a studio the other day it was too hot it was too hot and at first i got furious i thought i can't control this situation the aircon is broken put up with it so i think we need to tap into resilience because i think these days we have many solutions to our problems, don't we? So if you have a headache, you pop a pill. Um, if you're bored, you grab your smartphone and you just start looking at videos. So You're not allowed to be bored for a second. If you're hungry, you grab a snack. There's no scarcity, is there? Or at least not enough scarcity. And I think a bit of scarcity is not bad and being forced to put up with stuff. So if you're bored, just be bored. Do not reach for that smartphone. And if you're hungry, do you know what? You're hungry. Tough luck. Be hungry. Let's say it's three in the afternoon and you're not going to have dinner till six and you're hungry. Well, just be hungry at three in the afternoon. Don't fix that problem. It's really good for your body to be hungry. Hunger is a Natural mechanism. And then when you eat, you're going to really enjoy your food. Snacking is one of the big reasons why we have obesity. So. I could give you the science on that, but I think I'll refer you to the low carb episode, which is earlier in the series. Um, but yeah, just put up with it at the moment. I'm wearing these glasses, which I like. If you're watching on YouTube, they are clear Like a crystal frame, like a clear translucent frame. But I realized the lenses are ancient, right? So they're the wrong prescription, first up. And secondly, they're all scratchy. They're all scratch, scratch, which means that they're a bit sort of fuzzy to look through. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to put up with it. And eventually I'll forget. I'll forget about the boil in my mouth and I'll forget about the scratchy glasses and that's what we can all do is put up with it you know look there are lots of things and you know that this show is very empowering there are lots of things that i don't want you to put up with i don't want you to put up with being treated badly at work or being treated badly in a relationship i want you to know your value i want you, you to flex your muscles i want you to identify problems and tackle them head on but there are some things that are out of your control and you just put up with them and actually, even if they're in your control, sometimes it's easier just to let it go. So I certainly from my experience as a stand up comedian, I will address hecklers nine times out of 10. But occasionally you'll be in the middle of a bit of material and someone shouts something out. And unless it's persistent, you can just ski over it. Just, you know, you'd have to get bogged down in every interaction. Just someone shouts something or other. just The audience didn't really notice. Crack on. Um, And I think that is a really, really good thing to do. Um, And it just allows you to have some momentum in your life. It's the same with people, you know. Um, All human beings have good and bad points. And yes, there are aspects that you can influence and change, especially with a loved one and a close friend. And the way that you would change someone is by communicating your feelings about their behavior or their attitude. You can't change them. But if they're short-tempered with you or undermining you or making cruel jokes or whatever it is that you don't like, you can give them the opportunity to change by telling them the behavior that you're not comfortable with. And it's up to them to adapt or not. But you could give them a chance by telling them. It's amazing how little communication there is in the world. We'd rather freeze someone out of our life than have an awkward conversation with them. But, you know... I mean, I've got on my show, there's a guy who's a regular guest and he's outstanding. He's very clever. He's very articulate. He's humorous, but he just gives really long answers. And I've noticed on on other shows, they don't book him anymore because of his terribly long answers. But we tried a crazy thing, which is we just asked him not to give such long answers. We said, let's call him Bobby. We said, Bobby, we're really, really big fans of yours. Time is very limited on the show. So do you mind... Keeping your answers as brief as possible. And bang, he did that. You know, we just told him. But the others just like unbooked him, basically cancelled the guy because they couldn't bring themselves to tell him what they didn't like about his performance. And actually, it was very remediable. So what I do when I'm working is I'm constantly eliciting from my colleagues what they think of my performance and whether they're getting what they need and what was good and what was bad please nurture me with the feedback tell me so you can actually sort of coax people to communicate with you because you know that expression living in a fool's paradise it's the idea that you're at work let's say and everything seems to be absolutely fine you're there for a few years and then from one day to the next you get fired and it transpires that there's been all these issues and concerns about what you're doing and how you how you're working, everything that the bosses aren't happy with. And but they didn't tell you, you know, and they got steadily more irritated. And then you've been sacked. So weirdly, you're the victim of their lack of communication. But if they'd kind of given you the feedback along the way and said, look, you're you're always late or, or your work is substandard in this respect or that respect you had a chance didn't you an opportunity to address that and fix it but instead your fate has been sealed and it's because of a lack of communication so if you've got people around you loved ones or colleagues try to be the best communicator in the building and then you will have the best relationships the best communicator has the best relationships because you're saying what's in your head and you're shoving it out there people are not psychic they're not mind readers so say what's in your head, get it out, A, you'll feel better and then that informs their worldview and then hopefully they'll bring the communication back and if the two of you are communicating one to one back and forth, then you're going to have a very productive and happy relationship. I mean, it's the same in marriages and boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, which is that... um, it's amazing how many relationships break up because of that lack of communication, because, you know, you didn't tell me the things that you like or don't like. And I was guessing. And in the end, we just grew apart. What you could do with your partner is just take five minutes a day for just focused communication. Just, hey, how are you? What's in your head? I'm fine. Yada, yada. What's in your head? It doesn't have to even be about the relationship, but you're just talking about your day. and how you're feeling you're going to feel so much better um experts you know i'm not really i'm listen i've got mixed feelings about experts okay i'm a big fan of some experts so if god forbid you get a disease like cancer i am all over the experts like a rash i cannot get enough of the experts if it's a serious illness um, if I'm learning to fly a plane, if I'm trying to understand history, if I'm trying to work out a mathematical equation, experts are tremendous. I mean, they are at the forefront of human knowledge and discovery and progress. So, you know, that's my caveat up front. Experts are great. But, but, but there's a problem with experts, which is the experts are trained they are educated which means that they have been given partisan information that has shaped their knowledge and that's fine but it means the experts can be a bit narrow-minded and a bit stubborn and because they've got letters after their name or a massively impressive title it's like well we know what we're doing because we're the experts and william goldman the fabulous hollywood screenwriter said that what he learned in Hollywood is that nobody knows anything about anything, right? So when it comes to movies, you you can sit in front of a top producer and they'll say what's going to make a hit and what isn't that. They don't know that. I mean, yes, they've, they've been lucky. They've maybe had a few hits, but they've also had some turkeys as well. And if they absolutely knew what was always going to be a hit in Hollywood, they would be the richest person in the world and they would have retired, but they haven't retired because, Yes, you've got expertise, you've got experience, you've got a degree of education in that field, but it's not everything. So I do not like to be too beholden to experts and I don't like to be told you must obey this instruction because the experts. OK, so during the older uh, three year hiatus in the world from 2019, or no, 2020, March 2020 for two or three years. That's fine. But we were we were at the mercy of, in inverted commas, the experts. And this became an elite group of untouchable scientists and experts who decreed how we should tackle this health emergency. But I think that if you now in a revisionist way, go back and look at the data and analyze What countries did this and what countries did that? I think you'll find that the experts are found wanting. So you have these amazing modelers whose job it is, these mathematical and scientific modelers whose job it is to predict the trajectory of an illness. The modeling was not accurate at all and it shaped policy, but this was all the experts. So I'm sure the experts got some things right. But I believe that that word in the last few years has had a bit of a pounding. And I think there's more suspicion now because of the tyranny of experts. I think if the, there had been more debates, more to and fro of ideas, if things had been less rigid, less authoritarian, I don't think there would now be this allergy to experts. But uh, yeah, I think that that idea of being the intellectual elite, the expert. I think that they've overplayed their hand. And I think it's uh, led to uh, cynicism now about people that claim to be the best in their field. And, you know, once again, I would take advice on really important things from a doctor, from a scientist, from a top academic than a taxi driver. I'm not going to get the taxi driver to treat my laryngitis. But what is the point of this that I'm saying to you? It's. Yes, to acknowledge expertise and to massively tap into it. Like if there's anything wrong with you, go to the doctor, you know, of course. But it's important to question everything and to know your own mind and to follow your gut instincts and to do things that make sense to you. And also stuff that works, you know, a great maxim that I've got for you is do what works. Do you know what I mean? Just do what, if sleeping with three pillows, if sleeping with 10 pillows gives you a better night's sleep than sleeping with one, sleep with 10 pillows. It's not conventional. The experts wouldn't recommend it. If you sleep better with 10 pillows, sleep with 10 pillows. If it suits you to have dinner at 10 p.m. or it suits you to stop eating at 3 just do what works I, I used to be like would get so exhausted all the time and I decided that I would try to eat really early so I was like eat at six o'clock in the evening and then I'd be like go to bed like 10 or 11 I'm not eaten for four hours five hours and I wake up feeling magical the next day now who knows why that had an effect but it worked so I did it so do what works you know um but yeah so this expertise thing it interests me because um I, uh, I was learning to ride the motorbike and a very good teacher, actually. I passed second time. I failed the first test because I was riding too slowly. Imagine that. Oh, dear. That hasn't happened ever since, let me tell you. And I was doing this thing where when you're riding the motorbike, you've got your hands on the throttle, as it were, on the handlebar. But then the whole hand goes over over the brakes as well. So you've basically got your hands on the throttle and the brake. You're not squeezing the brake, you're just riding along. And my logic was that if you needed to stop quickly, your hands, your fingers are in the right place. All you do is squeeze. But my teacher said, no, you've got to keep your hand on the actual throttle, the handlebar bit. And then if you need to break, you reach out your fingers and then squeeze. But for me, that's a lost second in what could be a massive emergency. Um, So I sort of stuck with what he told me and taught me. But I've since had a couple of little tumbles on the bike, as you do. Luckily, no significant consequences. The other thing he told me about riding a motorbike is he said it's not if you come off, but when. But anyway, those little bumps and scrapes taught me that it's pretty handy to be able to brake straight away, not even have a nanosecond. I, I ride around. Now. I mean, I've been riding for crumbs over 25 years, quarter of a century. And my fingers are hovering over both of those brakes. And if I need to break, I'm straight there. I'm in exactly the right position. Now, that goes against what I was told by the expert, but I feel safer and I'm happier with it. So, you know... Go your own way a little bit, question the experts it's like that with medicine as well of course always if there's a problem, go and see your doctor, but you can inform yourself as well you know so I've got a friend that had um, raised blood pressure and went to the doctor and and the doctor was considering as usual it was medication brilliant of course that's always the answer isn't it? So my friend did do a bit of an internet search and they heard a an online sort of health guy and he said, oh um if you top up your magnesium, that can bring your blood pressure down. Well, my friend took the magnesium and the blood pressure went down. So now I'm not saying, you know, if you've got blood pressure, please see your doctor first. But, you know, did they get that from the doctor? No. Did it work? Yes, it did. So, yes, you've got the experts, but you've got your brain as well. And you've got your own information. And I would have a kind of happy hybrid of the two. It's like my glasses, right? I go in there's an opticians I like to well I don't like to I I adjust my glasses because occasionally when you wear glasses for long enough they get quite loose and what they do at the opticians is they warm the frame they've got this little sort of almost like a blow dryer type device and it just warms the frame and then they sort of reshape it whilst it's warm because it's bendy because it's acetate like a plastic so they bend it a bit and then it cools down and then it's you know in the shape you wanted it to be. You can't do that when it's cold because it will just, you know, cause a fracture in, in the plastic. So I was abroad a few years ago and I was desperate. I had a problem with glasses were way too loose. And I did observe that they that at the opticians, they've got this device which heats the frame. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, I've got a hairdryer here. Surely that's the same thing. So what I did is I took the I popped the lenses out of the glasses and then, I, because you don't want you don't want to make the lenses hot, because I don't know what that would do, but it might warp them or um, melt them or something. Just don't want to mess around with the lenses, really. So, take the pop the lenses out. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll quickly show you how I do it. Just, just, there you go. Just pop the lens out. It's the advantage of watching the show, by the way, on YouTube. So, I've now smudged my glasses and made them even harder to look through you're welcome and what i did is i used the hairdryer and i warmed the frame and then i shaped it to make it a little bit tighter and then i let it cool down and then i had tighter glasses and that was all good i mentioned it to my optician more or less had a fit literally she went insane she went postal she lost the plot you mustn't do that. You've got to bring them here and we've got a special machine, a special machine. I've seen a special machine. It's like hairdryer, And I've got one of those. And all this fuss they made about them doing it and the proper equipment and they're all trained. And they said you must. And also they told me because I've got another thing, a money saving thing, which uh, if you've got glasses is a really great thing, which is I've got quite a lot of frames because i just bought the frames without the lenses and then i just take the lenses out of one pair and i put them into the other if i fancy a different color of glasses if as long as it's the same shape of spectacle i take the lenses out of one and put it into the other just chop and change again they said don't don't do that you're gonna you're gonna eventually break the frame well it's never happened it's, literally it's never happened i've been wearing glasses since i was 16 which is a long time ago just pop, like I just showed you, just pop the lenses out. Um, it's not great if the lenses are really, really tight fit. Like they're really hard to get out, really hard to get in. That might not be great for the frame. But as long as they pop out, you know, relatively just just like that. You saw, sort of saw how easy that was to do. As long as you can squeeze one out, squeeze it back in again, then um, I don't see a problem. And it's just common sense because it's plastic. So if you warm the plastic, you're going to be able to maneuver it and bend it. But the experts insist on having a monopoly of that. Well, I like to challenge that. It's like tailoring. Okay, so I think I mentioned this to you a few weeks ago. My first big TV gig. Hilariously, they wanted me in the same outfit for all six episodes because then they could edit and it could be like. They could put me from recording one into show three. They could mix it up, basically. So I was in the same outfit for the whole series, which was, I've got to be honest, a bit of a drag. But the compensation was, we'll give you a really great suit. So you'll have one suit, but it will be a great suit. It's a tailor-made suit. Now, I'd had suits before, which I really liked. You know, I'd gone and chosen suits and worn them, and that was fine. But this was tailor-made, so this is the experts, right? It's their job. They, like, measure you. They cut the cloth. They do the lining. You choose the fabric. This is what they do. Worst suit I've ever had. I mean, yeah, it fitted me well and everything. But, to know, it just didn't feel good in it. Felt a bit too long. Felt slightly baggy. And I had, at the fitting, I kind of said, look, I, I like them really quite tight and quite fitted. But, like, sir, trust us. We know what we're doing know we're the experts we're going to give you this we're going to give you the correct suit for that you know anyway honestly a very mediocre suit so mediocre that uh, i just i actually gave it away in the end can you believe that i gave away a tailor-made suit honestly i didn't like it there you go Now that must sound like i'm being really spoiled and really indulgent no i just you know but now now what i do as i've mentioned in a previous episode is go to a normal shop get a cheap off the peg suit and then run down to an alteration place. Normally they're part of a dry cleaner outfit, isn't it? You've got the two things you've got the guy or the lady in the front of the shop with the sewing machine. Then you've got the dry cleaning and you go in and you say, hi, could you take this in a bit? And they'll pin it and charge you 20 quid like tailor-made, but exactly how you want it. Not the experts. It's a good thing, isn't it? So, You know, just go your own way a bit is all I would say. Go your own way. My dear father is a bit poorly at the moment. And uh, not with it. Okay, mentally is not with it at the moment. And so but what's lovely about talking to him is you do get flashes of lucidity from him and flashes of wisdom. And I was talking to him this week, and I said, "You know, what do you think as a, you know, as a man that I'm? I'm in the world. I'm a man. I'm a father. I'm a son. What, what do I? What do I need to be as a person? What is your advice to me?" I said, "Do I need to be strong?" He said. He sort of muttered. He said, "Strong, yes." And then there was a long pause, and I thought maybe he'd kind of tuned out again, but he hadn't. He said, "Strong, yes." And then long pause, and then he said independent so what a great word what a great word independent what a great thing to aspire to to be independent because if you think about that word i cannot think of any negative connotations can you being an independent person independent in your life um in this country the uk an independent school is like a private school and an independent you know, individual in the office. Yes, they, they they work for the company, but they're independent or a self-employed person by definition is very independent. So it means that you're not bogged down by other people or by other things. You're independent, you're free. So I thought that was a really good piece of advice. It's a great thing to aspire to is independence. And how can you grow your independence? Well, by growing your skill set. So, for example, if you work for a company, I know a lot of people that work for companies for years and they never felt that they were sharing the spoils. They never felt that they were properly rewarded. So they became self-employed, set up a business doing in their own business what they were being paid by someone else to do. They became independent, very often successfully so. So, it's a great thing to aim for is independent. I think that ties in with what I was saying about the experts and you've got to do this. It's like, no, you're going to, you know, independent thinker. I mean, who wouldn't want to hang out with an independent thinker? Who wouldn't, if you're a kid, who wouldn't want parents whose main aspiration for you was that you were independent? I say to my kids, I want you to be independent. Now, if you are independent, that means, well, I mean, if we look at the original root of the word independent, I guess it means not dependent, right? Not dependent on anyone or anything. That's why drugs are bad, because you become dependent on them. So you are not independent. If drugs are in your life or alcohol, if you are massively in debt, And you're living beyond your means. You're not independent. I mean, that's another expression, right? Independently wealthy. Friend of mine uh, works in Hollywood. And when he first went out there for meetings and stuff, he said it was really hard because everyone assumes that if you're in Hollywood, you're independently wealthy, which means you can wait two years for a project. It's like, how am I going to eat? I can't wait two years for this project to be green lit. But there was an assumption in Hollywood We are all independently wealthy, so we can wait until the next project comes along. But that's it. It's a really great word. And it will take you far. So this week, I want you to try, if you can, to be as independent as possible. I do that with food, right? I take my own food. I make food at home and I take it with me to work. I take it with me out and about. I have a flask for coffee. I take that with me. And I don't need to go to a cafe or some outlet for them to provide this product at great expense. I'm independent. I've got my coffee with me. It's a great thing. It's a good feeling. Um, Systems, by the way. Really good to have systems. So I carry family members on the back of my motorbike. And I have a procedure because, of course, they wear a helmet and I wear a helmet. And every time they get on the bike, I always say, is your helmet locked in? Because the problem is, and I hate to tell you this, but there are a lot of times when people on motorbikes put the helmet on, but they don't actually close the clip. They don't fasten it. So the helmet is on. But if they were to take it, have a collision, the force of the collision will knock the helmet off their head before they reach the ground. I don't think I need to go any further than that. It's very tragic, isn't it? So clipping your helmet in. So I say, for example, to my sons, um, is your helmet locked in? And the thing is, I've been saying this for years, but it's standard operating procedure. Okay, which is, I just say, is your helmet locked in every time, even if I know it is, even if I think I saw them do it, even if I assume that after this many years they lock their helmet Even if logic would suggest they would because they know that's a good idea. It doesn't matter. No ifs, no buts. Every time I say, is your helmet locked in? And I'm really happy with that solution because it is just a fixed routine. Um, It ties in with the excellent habits book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, of which there's a whole special episode of this podcast A few weeks ago, so quite a few, probably a couple of months ago now. Can you believe we're on episode 44? How is that possible? Can I thank you for your company? I thoroughly enjoyed doing this. And I do it with a deep sense that you are there. I wouldn't do this. If they they said there was no audience, I can guarantee you no one's hearing this. I wouldn't do it. But I do it because I know that you're there. And I know that you're listening and engaging and sometimes agreeing and sometimes not. And it's a conversation. Yes, it's a one way conversation. It's the nature of the beast, isn't it? But I also like listening to podcasts where there's one voice just talking and it's nice just to withdraw into that, isn't it? I hope it is. Um, so thank you for for being there every week. It's a thrill. I think we're growing something. We haven't even started yet with 44 episodes. Just imagine how good episode 444 is going to be. How excited are you about that? I'm buzzing about it. So episode 44 systems. Really simple thing. When I leave the house, three words, wallet, keys, mobile. I just before I leave the house, I'm like wallet, keys, mobile, because if you've got those three things, at least for me anyway, you're covered. Wallet, keys, mobile. Thank you. Another one is be prepared. A relative of mine is doing the Scouts at the moment. And the motto of the Scouts is be prepared. So on my motorbike, I've got this ruined, awful, destroyed helmet, which has not even got an inner lining. It's just a shell of a thing. But I have it attached to the side of my motorbike. And it means that if in an emergency I had to pick someone up, I can use that helmet because it might be a bad helmet. But if you're if you've got the helmet, you're. You're um, not breaking the law in an emergency. Away you go. So when you travel, you know, be prepared. I did tell you this one a long time ago, but I'll retell it to you, which is if you're traveling, have a spare credit card. Which is not in your wallet, but just in your bag in the hotel or at your accommodation, because it means if you're out and about and your wallet is stolen, you still have a means of paying for everything safely back in the hotel it's brilliant it's like a spare card somewhere else the reason why i learned that is because i left my wallet in the back of a taxi on my way to an urgent corporate event in the north of england there wasn't time to get the wallet back and catch the train and be there for the gig but by some miracle in my bag because i'm very chaotic person i just had a (laughs) A random credit card that I never used just rattling around in the bag separate from my wallet, which I'd lost. I was able to fish that out. I was able to use that to get my train ticket. And then I was able to, you know, buy water and food and the basics whilst traveling. And then I came home and then that lovely taxi driver came round with my wallet. I gave him a little bit of money to thank him for his time and his trouble. But yeah, be prepared. Well, that was unintentional. It was me being scatty, having a credit card knocking about in my bag. But after that, golden rule, always got a credit card somewhere else. You can ask your bank to send you a credit card that hasn't got the contactless on it. But as long as it's Visa or MasterCard, you're insured anyway. So don't worry. Um, I heard this the other day. I thought it was good. Be good and be gone. It was in relation to a stand-up comedian who was talking about being a great professional and what you do, you go on stage, you smash it, you do a great job and then you get the hell out of there. I did go to an Elton John concert where he was brilliant. And then the show ended. And as we were walking out, there's like a helicopter above and Elton was just out of here. Helicopter, right? Just out of here. He was good. And then he was gone. Be good and be gone. Just let's say you're um, making a presentation, company presentation or something or a pitch meeting, you know, pitching to a client, get in there, do your pitch and then get the hell out get out of Dodge, right? Leave the scene of the crime because you could have really impressed people at that pitch meeting. But if you're still there an hour later, hanging around, just eating custard cream biscuits, they'll be like, Ugh, just takes the edge off it. Oh, that's that guy from the presentation still here. Why is he still here? So you just like get in, Do a brilliant job and get the hell out of here, man. Get out of here. Um, I've got a great physical tip for you. Um, Bit of a physical hack, if you like. So for those watching, I will show it to you. But I will just describe it for the majority of you who are listening, which is it is a button for jeans. Okay, and you can buy these in a lot of places. You can get to go to a haberdashery store haberdashery department in a department store you can obviously get them online as well but it is a button for jeans and it comes in two parts it's the metal button the front part that you see on jeans a classic sort of button metal and then you've got a sort of sharp screw which is the other half of it and what you do is let's say that your jeans needed a button in them You just lie the metal button flat down on a hard surface. Then you put the jeans on top where you want the button to be. And then you take the other side of it, the screw bit, you press it into the denim and use a hammer and you just hammer the two together. So it's a button and it's a screw and you just hammer the screw into the button and then you have a button you've done it yourself occasionally i'd have an issue with buttons and i would take it to a place and they would charge me like 10 pounds but these things you can get i think i got 6 for a quid and what you can do to make life easier is you can make you can use like a skewer or something sharp and pointy to make a hole in the denim and that will make it easier then to hammer the screw part into the button But it's really good. And I've done it for other people now. And when I lost weight, what I did is some of my trousers were loose. So I used a very sharp blade and I just cut the old button out of the fabric. Threw it away. And then I've just um, moved. I've put a new button along, which is maybe a couple of centimeters further along to make it tighter. And of course, if you're putting on weight, you can use the button to go the other way. But that won't happen if you're low-carbohydrate. This is a low-carb podcast. Do check out the low-carb episode early in the series. It will change your life. But do consult a doctor before you change your diet. And I'm not an expert. But as I said, non-experts, they're not, they don't always get it wrong, do they? Oh, back to the experts, by the way. What about the entrepreneurs who were told that their invention was a bad idea, like James Dyson was told that a bagless vacuum cleaner would never sell? The experts is all I'm saying. Alcohol is not compatible with success. Pretty simple one, that one. But the problem with it is it's very enjoyable, isn't it? It can taste very good and it makes you feel nice. Also, I do think it unlocks things a little bit sometimes. I have sometimes had drinks. And I mean, it's not quite the Beatles and LSD, but I've had little moments of revelation. I remember when I was at a comedy club once and I'd had a few drinks and then the comedy club emptied. It was just an empty, this, this empty uh, performance space. And I just got on stage and I just thought, oh, I want to do this. This feels good being on a stage. Luckily, there was no one there. I could have embarrassed myself. But I was just kind of, you know, a little bit influenced by alcohol, I suppose, where you're just in touch with your emotions or something. The problem is, it also can awaken the monster within as well. And a lot of people are very destructive and very negative when they've had alcohol. It's not good for your body. And it gets you in hot water, you make bad judgments. So generally, alcohol not good to be honest and as i say it is not compatible with success right professional success relationship success it's not it's not good news but 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 it's there it is a source of pleasure and the other thing is you will be dead one day okay i mean you could just live your life eating salad and that's fine but so i think unless alcohol is a problem for you i think you should just train it i think you should just be the um you know strict military commander and that's what i am now i just choose there'll be a there'll be a day i mean today is thursday so i'll I'll probably have my next alcoholic beverage in 10 days time or or something two weeks even you know keep it in its place and then i'll I'll enjoy it for example christmas is coming up and once a year i go and have beers with a good friend of mine it's the annual tradition and i'll enjoy that and it would be a shame If it was lemonades all the way. But I've got it trained. It does what I say. I'm the boss. And that's a really good thing to try to build on. Whatever it is. You know, you like cream cakes. Fine. But you just make a deal with yourself. It's going to be one cream cake a week. And I'm going to look forward to it. I'm going to devour it. But you just, you know, you make those rules. And you stick to them. And you're the boss. And drugs are bad. And I think the reason why drugs are bad is because they make life seem worse. Okay, so if you were to take cocaine or any of those things, I would not recommend it. I'm drug free myself. But I've got no doubt that probably these various stimulants probably make you feel good. But the experts have told me that, especially with heroin apparently, that I think the third time you take it, is as good as it gets and apparently the career of the heroin user is to try to reclaim that feeling they got on the third go that they'll never get back to isn't that interesting my advice is to never ever touch anything like that but do you see how silly it is that people have it because they're just chasing the high that they'll never get back and also a lot of it is with with addiction is people wind up just trying to feel normal and so they're chasing normal which is what you've got already before you even started in the world of drugs so they're chasing what you've got so don't relinquish it don't take drugs there you go I hope that wasn't too preachy of course you can it's your life and perhaps that's your journey but I just wouldn't recommend it and I haven't seen it improve the lot of anybody whether it's anyone in my personal sphere or any big stars their work never gets better when the drugs come in so so there you go um and also yeah the other problem with drugs i was going to say is that you know let's imagine it's cocaine or whatever well then i i guess there's a buzz and then when you come down from that buzz life is going to feel worse than it was before you had that buzz and that's a terrible mechanism to activate you don't want to do something that make life makes life seem worse. I would never want to do anything that makes life seem worse. You want to do things that make life seem better, such as go for a walk in nature, play some sports with friends, take some exercise, read a good book, eat some good food. Things that make life better, not worse. Um, there's an awful lot more for the next episode, including bins. And what makes a good bin? Um, A little life philosophy from the pop star Madonna, how to get ahead in life, never waste a good crisis. And a brilliant hack for making yourself better in a very focused way. Also, I've got another amazing procrastination cure for the next episode. Um, And much more. But in the meantime, that is us for the episode. Thank you for your company. I've loved chatting to you. I hope you have a great week. Go and have seven days now of building on your independence. Okay. so if you're in a relationship, maybe that means that you do a few things on your own. You join a book club or you take up a hobby or you take up a sport or you just give yourself an hour a week for you. You sit in the park or sit in a pub, or sit in a cafe, and it's just an hour for you, or go to the movies on your own, there's a very good book, by a lady called Francesca, hmm, Spectre. there you go, got the name in the end, she wrote a book called Alonement, I think there might be a podcast of the same name, Francesca Spector, Alonement, and it teaches you how to be really happy by yourself, it doesn't mean leave your partner and leave your friends and family, but it's just embracing that time alone and becoming your best friend, you know, a bit of journaling, maybe go to a cafe, take some notes about your day and how you're feeling, being creative, a bit of time for you. And that's independence, isn't it? Independent. There are no downsides to being independent. Similarly, if you're stuck at work, upskill, learn to do other things and then You can offer your services to other employers or become more indispensable to your current employers. That will give you a degree of independence within the company. We all know people who work for a company but who seem to do their own thing. They seem to be on a very long leash. They seem to have a lot of freedom to do what they want to do. And that's because they've got lots of skills. They're invaluable to the company. So the company are like, okay, let let Dave do what he needs to do, because, you know, he always delivers for us. So he can have he can come in when he wants and he can work from home or he can not work from home. And he doesn't have to have a he doesn't wear a suit. His desk is messy. But he delivers the goods. He's got lots of skills and that buys him independence within the business. Right. The boss will indulge Dave because he's good and he's doing a lot and how did he gain that independence by being very skilled so that might involve improving your skills learning to do so let's imagine so I work in television and I've got producers they're brilliant the ones that will get ahead will be the ones that look at look at jobs that they don't have to do right and I don't know video editing or something and and they can just say well I don't my job description doesn't involve video editing but can I Could somebody teach me how to do that so that I do know how to video edit or write scripts or book guests or book taxis or send invoices or whatever it is. But whatever the thing that they don't have to do is learn to do that thing gives you a lot of power within the company. It's like Stephanie can do everything. She can do the invoicing. She edits video. She can go in the gallery and she can direct. Uh, There's a problem with the camera. She's taken one of those apart. She knows how to fix it. You know what I mean? It's just brilliant. You become the go-to person. With that set of skills, you will be given independence. You will be given agency by your bosses because they can rely on you. Reliable, consistent. These are tremendous superpowers. Reliability. Steve's always there. He'll be there at nine. If he says he'll be there, Steve will be there. Consistent, steady as she goes. No... You know, no great fanfare, just churning it out. I've got I've got a colleague who's just reliable. Right. And this colleague is not the most wildly creative or spectacular or extravagant personality, but just will always give you, you know, no mistakes. Stuff's on time. It's coherent, easy to get along with. That person is a rock star, in my view. Absolutely invaluable rather than someone that's a genius on a Tuesday and utterly rubbish on a Thursday. I don't want to have the Tuesday geniuses. Thank you very much. I'd like to have someone rock solid from Monday to Friday. Okay, someone and you'll see that if you look at I'm a huge student of those late night US talk shows, and David Letterman, what a genius of a broadcaster he was. You know, a lot of people around him were were very unlike Dave, they were very solid steady as she goes quite sensible almost librarian type individuals dave could be mercurial and wild the team around him rock solid got the job done and were multi-skilled not afraid of any department i saw a colleague the other day and his uh, she, he said uh, oh god i can't do that whatever it was it was oh i can't do that and i thought well man yeah, that's you know you, you're um, you're missing a trick there You don't want, I have that on air. I don't want there to be anything on air that I can't do. So sport, breaking news, war, pestilence, famine. I don't want that, you know, live, pre-recorded. I don't want there to be anything that I can't do. Because I just like that knowledge that they can drop me in anywhere. They can just say, right, you are going to Afghanistan now. And you're going to let us know what's happening. You're going to do a show from there um bring it on absolutely bring it on um used to have that with stand-up and i really relate to this, this is very much the great jay leno and other u.s talk show host jerry seinfeld as well these people they pride themselves on being able to play any room so what that means is you know some comedians are like oh i i i, I do the students i'm I, i'm a kind of i play the student crowds or there's others like, i'm a working class comic i like working class audiences or there's others mean like college educated sort of middle class people. That's my crowd. I've never gone in for that. You want to be able to go into any room and make them laugh. What does that make you? That makes you independent. Absolutely brilliant. There you go. Well, listen, I will leave you to it. Big love. Go and be independent. Be good and be gone. And there's so much to get through next week. But go and have a great seven days. Go and smash it. Okay. Make this seven great days. And I'll see you in a week. Bye-bye.